<laughs> back again, Dad. I know. Okay. Let's do it. All right. What's good, guys? Welcome to episode 22 of the Through It All podcast. Uh, as you know, the idea behind each episode is to just uncover one true, one's true story and talk about overcoming the difficulties of life. And with today's guest, I think you've seen him before. It's my dad, Ted Gleason. You got anything to say before we it's get great, rolling here? It's great to be back, bud. Episode 22. So, for the people that haven't watched or listened to episode one, um, your story at UCLA, first year, red shirt, second year, you walk away from the team at one point because the stress and whatever, you just wanted to kind of take a break, see what that's like. Mm-hmm. And you never played your first tournament until your third year. Right, middle of my third year, yep. Now, when you decided to walk away from golf and what the, like the problems you were dealing with, do you think if you had taken that route and stopped playing, are you the same person you are today? Well, I guess you, you will never really know, but I can just say this, I'm glad that I came back because when I did come back, it helped make me who I am. So I'm very pleased with that decision because I went through so many things and learned about myself and um, how to really deal with stuff um, when you're stuck. And that's basically what I was. I was stuck um, kind of in my own way. And if I would have just walked away from that, um, I think that would have been that would have been a bummer. So I'm really glad I came back and, um, you know, faced the things I faced and use the people around me to support me and it wasn't myself that's for sure uh, just myself it was a whole, whole lot of people that helped me through that time how do you get out of being stuck what worked for you because i know for me obviously you know i'm always feeling like I'm, there's something I'm, I'm stuck at like whether the difficulty's high or not i feel like there's always you're in a rut of some sort and i'm sure there's people out there who feel the same way so you dealt with it on the biggest stage like in college golf so what were some of the keys that helped you get through that? Get unstuck. Get unstuck. Man, that's, that's tough. It, it's not easy always. I remember my dad always used to say that word, stuck. Mm-hmm. And he used to say, you know, we got to talk, you know, you got to work through getting stuck. What is, what's kind of missing from the components of, of keeping you stuck, basically, or keeping you from being unstuck. So that's the first part is taking an inventory, I guess. Being aware. Being aware, taking an inventory of what's actually going on. What are my my micro habits or atomic habits? Is that James Clear? James Clear. That's a great book, Atomic Habits. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, in existence at my time, but but my dad would, would you know, I, I guess the, the short answer is, I guess my dad, my family, um, the love I had for golf, that kind of was the big impetus of getting me unstuck um, and just trying to slow things down, um, I think, and not getting so overwhelmed with, you know, okay, here I am at UCLA on a scholarship. I'm not playing. What do people think? Being judged. And, you know, in your world today with Instagram and all that stuff, it's just, gosh, it's magnified so much. But back in the day, you know, those are things I, I felt. Um, and getting unstuck was kind of trying to get rid of that and mm-hmm. just focus on, what I can control, as simple as that sounds. So I think that's the, the best answer is, what can I control today? What can I do in this moment that's gonna help me move closer to where I wanna be? And understanding that I'm not gonna get all it, it all done in that day, mm. or even that week or month. I, I honestly had no idea <laughs> yeah. how long it was gonna take. I think the biggest thing, once I, you know, I quit the team, as you referenced, um, did a lot of soul searching and realized I wanted to play. So my point is, 
I just got focused on what I could control and was happy with that. Right. And not too critical of myself for not being where I think I should have been at that time. Yeah. Not being where um, I think I thought other people thought I should be at that time. Yeah. You know, Ted the golfer, he, you're not playing yet? That's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Are you not very good or you can't make it at this level? And it's not even about that. You know, whether I, whatever I achieved after I came back, that really, it's, it's a nice part of the story, but it's really not the story. The part is that I just decided to focus on me, focused on what I could control and not worry as much about all that other crap, you know? So that helped me get unstuck. And I had somebody, not only my parents, but I worked with a sports psychologist in college. He was actually a psychologist, Dr. Parham. You know, shout out to Dr. Parham, who I still Dr. touch. Dr. P. Dr. P, touch, touch base with once in a while. So I used somebody else even out, and all my parents were phenomenal. They were phenomenal. And I think, you know, you know it's a good segue for mental health, you know, for people that are struggling. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. You know, yeah. it's not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's a sign of strength. And I didn't, you know, mental health might not have been as, you know, um, magnified or known back in that day. But, you know, I'm glad I had Dr. Farm to talk to other than my parents or my, uh, my friends because they were all awesome. But he just gave me another perspective. So um, anyway, um, I can rant and rave a, a lot about that. But having good people around me was, was critical to being unstuck as well. The support system. Yes, yeah. big huge. support system's huge. So people, you know, talk and seek help if you need it. There were a couple things that you mentioned there that really stuck out to me. The first one was, I was going to ask you about your habits. You said habits were a huge thing. I know you always say big goals or big, big habit or big goals, big habits. What did your habits look like up to that point where you decided to walk away where they, where they needed to be to perform at that level? Or do you think you could have done more? Oh, before that point, there's my habits weren't near where they needed to be. And, uh, and I think a lot of that is not just physical habits, but it was just mental habits. My self-talk. How was your self-talk? Like, what if, if you went through a whole day? How many? What percentage of thoughts would be negative, and how much like power would you give those? I don't even know if it was. It wasn't like negative. It was just doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a bigger. Maybe that is negative, but it wasn't like. It's just like I don't know if I can do this. I don't. I don't think I'm good enough. Um, golfing wise so my, my self-talk habits weren't where they needed to be um, my focus habits weren't where they needed to be I was always focused on you know what other people thought what my golf swing looked like or was I gonna live up to the things I should be living up to all those timelines that everybody else I thought perceived weren't, weren't even real yeah right they just I make the stuff up in my head um, but as far as my golf habits it's not like I wasn't doing anything mm -hmm. I just wasn't being, I think you said, aware enough of and paying enough attention to my game, what really needed work, was I really putting in the time I needed to put in. Um, I started focusing too much mechanics and so on my golf swing, so that snowballed into more doubt. Um, and I just got afraid to play, basically. That's ultimately what it all climaxed into. Right. Is like. I just scared as hell to even go to practice. I'm embarrassed. I don't even want to play. And so basically it came to a point where I just was going to avoid ah. at all costs that. So my habits, it's not like I was working so hard and I was doing everything right and I wasn't getting results. I'm, that, that's, not, that's not the case. I, I could have done stuff a lot better. Hence, that's why I took the time off and I kind of was able to recalibrate myself with the help of people 
and start focusing on the right habits, so to speak. It wasn't like I was out partying all the time and yeah. like, oh, I can just play at UCLA. It wasn't that. It was actually, I probably cared so much, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I was trying too hard in some respects and, and not hard enough in others. Do you think your identity was like up until that turning point where you stepped away, was your identity tied into, I'm a golfer? Like that's, that's all I am, that's all people know me for. And then when you came back to the team and you started focusing on you know, what matters, you focused more on who I am and let that amplify in your golf game versus, oh, I'm just a golfer. Yeah, um, I think I'm always gonna battle identity as a golfer uh, to some degree. You know, certainly at that time when I was going through my debacle, so to speak, I was 100% what I shot was how I felt. Terrible place to be. Right. right. So I had to learn how to compartmentalize that. And so that's a great distinguish, distinguishment that you made there. When I came back to the team, uh, I was able to have different um, ways I could find success. You know, whether it was my attitude, I became this person that I started reading a lot and I started just trying to just project this unbelievable confidence of not, not cockiness, just like I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Great body language, great attitude. Um, tried to look at everything in a way that was a positive, tried to spin everything that the obstacles in my way, you know, and I, again, I didn't do this on my own. Yeah. I, I did it family, Dr. Parham, did a lot of reading, um, did a lot of working out. I found that was a great way for me to feel good because I felt instant gratification. Yeah. You know, when you're putting in time in something, whether it's a sport, yeah. basketball, yeah. Or I know yeah. you've talked about this, <laughs> basketball or, or whatever, you're, it's not always one plus one is two. Yeah. It's not always, man, I worked so hard, I deserve to play well this game. It doesn't work that way all the time. Right. So, um, anyway, I lost my train of thought. No, but you were saying instant gratification, so with lifting. Oh, yeah, exercise. So that was great. See. Yeah, it was great. It was just, it just felt good. Yeah. It felt, oh, I did something to better myself today. And that's what I tell you guys, and I tell my clients, and I tell whoever is like, just try to get a little bit better today. And let the outside world be who they may and judge you how they may. But that's where I really got better at and I'm doing the best I can. So my identity started to shift between like, it's not just my golf score. Yeah. It's am I doing the right things? Is my effort the right way? And I was able to switch that instead of it just being, am I playing at UCLA? Am I playing well as, the, as my identity? It became, am I doing the right things? Mm. Am I working out? Do I, am I trying to have a great attitude? Am I working on the things I need to do in my game? Yeah. Am I trying to improve as a person? So I was able to switch that and, and that became who I was more. But I'm always going to deal with, you know, that's the truth. And you get NBA players, professional tennis players, hockey, whatever, they're talking about this mental health because everybody is dealing with the compartmentalization. Some, not everybody, but a lot of people at that level, they're always going to, it's always going to be on your mind. I'm still a golfer. Yeah. People are always going, oh, Ted, oh, yeah, that's the golfer. My neighbors, oh, he's the golfer. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or oh, whoever, he's the golfer. And and I learned to accept that, and I appreciate that. That's great. But obviously, I'm more than, more the, than, a, more than a golfer. But golf has, to your point, it's really made me who I am. You know, It's been a vehicle. It has. It's been, and back to your original question, thank gosh that I kept going. Thank gosh that... that you know, my dad asked me those two questions, you know, do you love UCLA, do you love golf? And at some point, you know, life's just not fair, it's not easy. And, you know, I wasn't some amazing college golfer, mm -hmm. 
but I got to compete at the college level at a high level. I did well, specifically my senior year, I played very well. Um, but it, there's so much more than that that came from that. You know, how I parent, how I am as a friend, a husband, all those kind of things that... that no one sees. Yeah, no one sees, but uh, I'm forever grateful for that, that crossroads in my life. You know, because like you said, it could have gone different ways. Right. And life would have been fine. You know, it's not like, but, but that just facing that ad ad adversity, I think that's a great point is that if you tell, if there, somebody's facing an adversity and you tell them, well, are you not doing it because you just don't want the result? Or are you not doing it because you truly don't want to pursue it? Yes. That's a tough distinction. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because that's what happened to me. I did ultimately love golf, and I could have not done it just because I didn't want to face the, the, the risk of, of failing, but it still wouldn't have been failure, you know? Um, and so I'm so glad I went that path, that unknown path. Mm -hmm. Uncertainty. Uncertainty, um, the uncomfortable path. But I love golf. If I, if I came to a point where I just said, I just don't love it as much, I, I want to put my time into something else more, that's fine. But anyway, that's that's why I'm glad I, I went. You know, I always tell people, you know, it's not it's okay to get comfortable where you're uncomfortable if that's something you really want to pursue. Yeah, you have to. If you want to be really good at something, you you're gonna at some point you're gonna have to. Because you made the choice, right? I mean, you there you could have well, a thousand percent used an excuse like, oh, I don't love it anymore. But that was really a front for like. I'm scared to fail, but I just don't want to go well, down that road. Well, I did that for about two months. <laughs> well, no, I'm just that's saying. part of the process. Yeah, though. but but I did that, and that's okay. I don't. I'm not ashamed of it. I quit yeah. for for a couple months, and I was going to be on the rowing team, and <laughs> um, she got back up. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's just crazy how how all the influences in my life just pushed me to that path, and again. It's not just me. A lot goes to my parents. Um, a ton of it goes to my parents and how they raised me. And, and, and Shout be, out grandma and grandpa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just how they raised me and say, you know, and, and them being okay to be like, if this is what you love to do, just yeah. go for it. Everybody's always going to judge, right? Everybody's going to, but if we can take that and just be free of that judgment, that's tough to do sometimes, but that is a great feeling. When you hit those moments where you're just doing something you love, it's like probably when you go play pickup, it's just like, this is great, you know? And if you can take that mindset into games, just like when I was trying to play golf, if like when I'm out there on my own in the evening and it's just oh. me, I love that. And if you and, and you can get to that point, right. you know? It's just there's more barriers that you have to break through um, to find that kind of, I don't know what they call it, the flow. You that know? flow state. The flow state, yeah. Okay, so kind of just segueing off of what you just said, talking about success. What did 18-year-old Ted, going into his first year at UCLA, think success was, or how would that kid define it? Mm, that's a good question. Because well, I, I got another one after that. Well, whatever it was, it, I didn't need it <laughs> <laughs> at the time. I can tell you that. Because I got there and I just realized, like, Man, these dudes can play because they had won the national championship the spring before I came. So the spring of 1988, UCLA won the national championship, and I came in the fall. So it's like my goal was just like, can I survive? Because <laughs> I got there and I just realized, man, these guys are good, right? And, and they're confident. And I just so 
if, if you ask me what my goal is, like, can I just play? Yeah. You know, can I just get and make the lineup? Yeah. Um, it was overwhelming. I'll be honest. It was a little overwhelming. Um, but also, it was great because there were some cool guys on the team, and, and the coach that recruited me was there. And I mean, it was amazing. I was at UCLA. I was playing golf at UCLA, right? So it was amazing. Um, but my goals at that time were just, man, I, I want to graduate, and I want to hopefully I get a chance to play and compete at this level. That would be amazing. And uh, you know, I always wanted to play professionally, try professional golf. So I had that in my mind. But first, I had to get this first step in the head. Now, what? Or how would you define success when you're a 23-year-old just graduating from UCLA after five years? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be on the PJ Tour, you know, so that was a big success thing that I would deem a success. I want to be able to be on the PJ Tour and try to make a living playing golf. And I tried that for almost five years, but, you know, I, I didn't make that goal. But, again, it's kind of like my UCLA thing. All those experiences, I got to travel to, I don't know, 20, 25 different countries, be on my own, learn about myself, run my own business. Basically, it's myself. I determined everything. With the support, I had a sponsor. Uh, shout out to Mr. Lee Sisler. He sponsored me. Um, but uh, so success at that time graduating was, can I make a living playing golf? And although I don't make a living playing the game, you know, playing, I make a living because of golf. So essentially, golf has given me everything. You know, it allowed me to coach college golf, allowed me to obviously have this business I do with mentoring kids now for over 15 and a half years. So I owe everything to golf, really, everything. So success now for me is being able to be, you know, obviously a great father and, and husband and, and uh, son and brother and all those and friend and all, all that kind of stuff. That's success and also just trying to share with these kids but the stuff we're talking about, just stuff that I've been through, um, the adversities, letting them know I don't have, I'm not perfect, I don't have all the answers, but I have been through a lot, and I was fortunate to have people around me that helped facilitate me through those times, so that's what I try to be a conduit for them, and like, hey, I can relate to you, I know what you're going through, it's hard, it's not, I mean, it's not like I make it easier for these clients of mine, but um, anyway, that's a success now for me, is helping, trying to help kids. What... First off, that's great, great. You've been an incredible dad, and parents, obviously. Um, You're but pretty good kids. I try. <laughs> I try to be the best in the family. I mean, it's a tie for three. <laughs> You're tied for first. I mean, I think I, the dogs got me beat. Um, but for a kid sitting out there, yeah, who's watching this, yeah, who's about to go through something that he's fearful of, yeah, what would you tell him? That's a great question. He needs he needs he needs some help because he's got a game tonight. Telling him. <laughs> I mean, in the simplest in the simplest way. Um, well, first of all, life is super damn short, right? And someday we're all below the dirt, right? Yeah. And, and nothing's going to matter, right? So I tell that kid to find his young self. I know uh, Riley's. One of her coaches always said, play like you did when you were a kid, you know? I mean, that's like the best. You don't, you don't have any worries, yeah. you know? And I think that's the best thing and realize that uh, um, there's never gonna, I mean, it, what's the worst that's gonna happen? You know, my dad used to tell me, you know, 
you get up and you tee it up again. You hit it out of bounds, well, you get another one, you smile and get another one and tee it up again. So, in whatever form that is, whether it's basketball or football or sport or, or life, if you're about to face an adversity, if that's something you love and really enjoy, nobody can keep you from doing what you know you can do. And that was a mantra that a, a sports psychologist told me. And I remember saying that over and over again sometimes because I was just like, can I do, you know, and I'd have to just tell myself, and it's, it's sometimes you just got to let go and just, I'm going to do the best I can and F it. You know, it's like, okay, it's whatever. I'm going to have fun. Life's too short. I'm going to do my very best. I know I'm going to have a great effort. I know I'm going to have a great attitude. I know that when adversity comes, I'm going to have the same kind of mentality, and I'm just going to go for it. And it is. It's whatever result that is, then you're going to take that result, and you're going to move on to the next thing. You know? You just make a decision that that's how you're going to approach it. Incredible. Yeah. The battle, kind of the last thing I want to say before we get into the through it all three, but does, does it ever stop? Does the adversity, does facing yourself each day and dealing with anxiety and trying to figure out all these problems, does it ever stop? It hasn't for me. <laughs> if, if somebody's figured out a potion for it, please let me know. <laughs> I think some people are, are wired to, to, to probably handle it better than me. I think I'm wired to worry more, you know, than most people. Um, I think, you know, I've, I accept that, but, you know, I try to get better at it still. And, but I still, you know, probably worry more than the normal person about things. But sometimes that helps me refocus. Okay, what can, it's just like, you know, I got to, I'm saying all these things. It's like, I got to totally practice what I preach. Okay, what yeah. can I control today? What can I get on my, done on my plate? What's my to-do list? How can I be better at my job? How can I do, make a positive impact to my kids and my family today and my work today? And, you know, so I think that's always something in life that there's always a new thing. Maybe when you get old and you retire, but then, you know, my grandma, you know, my mom always says to me, I'm, she's only as happy as my most unhappy, or my, happy, my unhappiest child. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, so I think those worries are always there, but you just try to do uh, as good a job as you can with dealing with those. And also, you know, what I try to do now is, is really truly understand how grateful every day is truly. When you really stop and think of all the seven whatever billion people in the world, of all the things that all these people go through, where we are right now, and what we have, where we live, Southern California, it's amazing, right? So I think, I think you know, a real important point that, that I want to make that brings up, you know, the worry and all that stuff, and that little kid you asked that question is, think about what you're grateful for. That's always been a, a, a key um, thing for me to do is think about what I'm grateful for. Make a list, and it's amazing how that can change your perspective. You know, think about just, you can, you can name off 10, 15, 20, 30 things very easily. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, what, what, what am I doing here? Uh -huh. Think of all that I'm grateful for. And then that kind of helps me, to me, it shifts my perspective into not worrying as much, focusing on what I can control and then trying to, you know, everybody needs that recalibration. Some people need it more than others. Um, but I think being grateful is, is such an important perspective for people to have if they're you know frustrated by something or 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 worried about something or just be grateful be grateful for that obstacle yeah you know 
awesome. I get to challenge myself. I get to figure out how can I figure this out. And then it becomes a game. Yeah. You know, then it becomes a game. So the go, the go. That's so. That's uh, I mean, that's what you've just been telling me forever. So that's incredible. Kind of one of one thing I wanted to add was you said you worry too much about what other people think, and it's like to a fault almost. But what I've because I feel like I'm the same way. Almost even more so because all my all my double checking stuff, you know, it, man, it's through the roof. Wow! But um, it's like <laughs> on like the double edged sword. On yeah. one side, you know, I worry too much, but on the other side, it's like to a fault where I'll care so much. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like as much as I see it as a negative. It's like, well, in this area of life, it's actually a positive because yeah, if like, let's say whatever, 20 years down the road, I'm working with a kid or I'm, I'm speaking. It's like, well, I had to go through that so I can explain. I had to go through that side of the sword so I can explain this and just all these things connect in a way that I can't understand until it's at that point. It's true. We don't know how the dots connect, but they do. And everything that you're going through will, will impact. But that's, you're, you're right. It, it, it can be the opposite where it could be a really good thing. Because you have care. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's a great human quality for people to care, obviously. Yeah. You care Caring about people and you care about, you know, uh, how you treat other people. I think that's important and all those kind of things. So, no, that's a good, good addition. So it's just the way, the way I choose to view it. You know, there's different sides. But yeah. regardless, you'll ebb and flow and stuff. But uh, just stay patient. And for me, that's something that i got to keep working on and just, you know, focus Every on day's what a I gift. can control. Yeah. Every day is a gift. Perfect. Now, you've never been asked this question since this was during the first episode, so what does through it all mean to you? It's weird how sometimes stuff hits you. It means uh, my son, <laughs> my son's podcast. It's, it's cool. Tears are flowing. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you, Dad. Proud of you. Thank you. Okay. We're going to 180. <laughs> Disney Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Disney, Disney Princess. Princess. Um, thoughts on our dog, Leo? Mom's the favorite. <laughs> okay. Anything else to add? He's great. He's a pain sometimes, but I like, I love little <laughs> Leo girls. Uh, okay. He's cool. Second question. Canes or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Have you had canes before? Yeah, a couple times, but Chick-fil-A. Okay. And then, you've already answered this, but advice you'd give to yourself at your lowest? Just can't keep going, man. Believe it. Believe in yourself and be grateful for everything that you do have and don't be afraid to go for it, bud. That's it. Teddy. Love you, honey. Oh, Riley, we're done. Wonderful. How, is it going to be hard to edit? No, that's easy. I don't have to change any cameras or anything. Good.